this is the fear of silence. Welcome to the Fear of Science, the show that dives into the wide world of science topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new science sphere with special guests and more surprises and learning along the way. My name is Daniel Chai, co-host of Fear of Science. And I'm your other co-host, Jeff Porter. And we are on episode 12, and this episode is another one that I really feel that everyone can relate to. And this episode is titled... Fear of anxiety. Yeah. But uh, to, to help us explore this fear, we brought in a special guest in studio here at the beautiful Vancouver Public Library Central Branch. Who do we have? Hello, I am Megan Phillips. I am an actor, writer, singer, comedian, and creative, passionate about using comedy and storytelling to heal and normalize mental health. I've written and performed fringe theater shows across the country, including three solo shows about my own mental health journey. And I've co-written a musical called People Suck that is having its Australian premiere this March. I produce and host The Anxiety Show, a variety-style alternative comedy show showcasing comedian who ex- comedians who experience a different mental health trigger every episode. And I teach singing and creative coaching from my home studio in East Vancouver. Wow, you are a a dynamic superstar of of all (laughs) things performing arts and and of uh, the world of anxiety. So thank you for uh, coming in here to chat with us. Oh my God, thank you for having me. Yeah. So every episode, um, we start off with the same question. Why do people fear blank? Um, Anxiety is a really strange one, I find, because we're essentially asking, why do people fear fear? Um, Because anxiety is... So kind of the definition of a fear versus anxiety is fear is something that you you see and you have a kind of guttural reaction to and you have the fight or flight, that kind of thing. Where anxiety is something that you perceive to be danger but might not necessarily be there. Mm. So in a way we are saying um, the fear of fear, um, which is actually an episode we've wanted to do for a long time. <laughs> but it's slightly quite meta, um, but uh, why Why do people fear anxiety? Because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can really only speak from my own personal experience and from what I've heard other people tell me in their personal experience, but, you know, anxiety is, um, it's, it, it is in the mind, but it's not just in the mind. Like, it's a physical, visceral experience. And uh, we are creatures that are designed to seek comfort. So why would you want to actively seek something that feels icky in the body? (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Um, uh, I know, like, I've never actually had, I don't have generalized anxiety, um, which is an actual disorder. But I know I've I've definitely felt anxiety and felt stress, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a very different, um, it's, it's not... Uh, a mental disorder. Um, but have both of you felt anxiety in the past before? Yes. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I've heard tales of lore. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Bunch of, yeah. <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I know about anxiety, I've learned from Reddit. <laughs> 
let's get some of that sweet gold, uh, Reddit gold, uh, up in here. Um, I I have felt anxiety, and I uh, and I do feel it every so often. Um, I think it's uh, it's become something that I've become more comfortable in talking about. And I'm again, I'm I consider myself pretty lucky that it's uh, it's anxiety that that comes and goes it's not like an everyday thing but um i've definitely felt it and it's uh and i'm slowly learning to try and figure out like how to um you know when it happens to be like oh okay what's how recognize that it's happening um you know uh being able to like go okay this is this is just a feeling not a real thing and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's much more difficult to uh to deal with yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that this episode, I mean, uh, what I love about Fear of Science is that uh, we started off by talking about fear of zombies, which is very, <laughs> um, which is a very uh, real fear uh, that that we have, of course. But uh, I love that we can also talk about, uh, you know, real things that, um, you know, mm. that are, uh, that affect so many people, ourselves, our friends, and, and people all around the world, maybe even our listeners right now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, part of it when I, when I came up with the idea for the show is that I really wanted to make sure that we were um, tackling some, some tough issues that people don't necessarily think about that often. I think mm. for me, mental health is one thing that, that people don't talk about enough, um, and it really needs to be part of the conversation. Right, and uh, mm-hmm. and and that's why, Megan, I'm very glad that you you have created the Anxiety Show, which has been put on here in Vancouver, and has it been performed elsewhere? Yeah, it has. I have. Um uh, being a touring artist, uh, it's it's partly been a selfish endeavor to create the show because I uh, um, I like to create ways to network and um, and then also just give opportunities to other comedians to storytell that wouldn't necessarily um, be able to amongst their uh, with their own stories. So um, when I've been in, so it's been produced in Montreal. Uh, Toronto a couple of times. I'm working on a Chicago show in March of this year, and then probably in the fall, uh, uh, possibly a New York show as well when I'm there. Wow. Do you just kind of pick places you want to go visit? (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. It's more like when I have have a reason to be there and I'm already visiting, it's really just to make a tax write off. I mean, also to spread the love of comedy and truth telling and storytelling and healing. Yes. Careful, the tax man might be there. They could probably use a mental health uh, opportunity as well. I always think back to Corner Gas. I'm not the tax man, I'm a tax man. Plus, hey, you know, I mean, taxes cause anxiety too. So, yeah, yeah right. Well, how many people? How many listeners have boxes of receipts under their bed? And like another year, this can wait. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, for for yourself, Megan, uh, who are who are the people who come in and tell their stories on the anxiety show? Um, mm-hmm. Are they just performers? Are they all walks of life? Um. Yeah, they are. Well, uh, both. (laughs) 
both. The show itself uh, was designed from the beginning to be not just booked comedians, but also has an open mic element as well. So, right. you know, I, I've um, and and that was inspired for me from being at different storytelling shows and whatnot that I've been at before that were entirely open mic. And the I, there's something really empowering in a room of people who show up unsure if they're going to share their story or not and then hearing somebody else's story and then like thinking oh my story isn't that useful or or my story isn't that important and then hearing somebody else's story and that spurs their own and being like whoa actually my story is important and it's been really cool you know every episode um, there's always been one or two people that wasn't planning on doing the open mic and then they heard something and then they get up and then they share and just like watching the empowerment in their faces you know just having because it tends to um, the show itself attracts a really special audience Mm -hmm. you know like a listening audience in fact I've had a lot of comedians uh, get really unnerved at how well the audience <laughs> listens to them, like to the point where I've had a number of comedians come up to me and go, oh my God, they're actually listening. Like, <laughs> what have I said? Like where they're not competing with, you know, drunks in the back, like people are there because they're hungry. They're hungry to hear stories and right. listen to that survival humor. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I think we, you know, I think that's the reason why podcasts are so, uh, are so popular and the reasons why, you know, uh, uh, people go to storytelling events and, and go to mm. shows like anxiety shows is because we want to, we want to feel that we're we're not alone, and mm-hmm. we want to feel that that our story isn't unique and shameful. It's that it's that totally. connection, right? Like totally. It's when you when you go through anxiety, or if you if you go through something difficult in your life, it's good to know that you're not alone. And as much as you you might have friends around you that you can talk to, but knowing that a total stranger has gone through the exact same situation as you is is vindicating. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So for uh, so for those listening at home, and even you know for myself, I'm still learning about anxiety and different things about mental health. What what is anxiety? Is anxiety the same as mental health? Is are there different levels of of anxiety? I'm so much to learn. Yeah, well, I will preface this preface this by saying I am no expert. <laughs> <laughs> Everything yeah. that I say from here on in, I must be very clear, is entirely personal <laughs> opinion and experience. I, I am. I feel like that should be said at the beginning of every. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, fear of science. Uh, yeah, just like not, yeah, not yeah. an expert. We like science, but don't necessarily know yeah. anything about. Well, it. that's that's. Where we're, we're lucky to bring in different uh, different experts of, and different people who um, who have uh, gone through these different things. So thank you for sharing your your um, your own experiences and and ourselves as well, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. But yeah, what is anxiety? Yeah, well, well, okay. So I'm no expert, and what I will say is my. Um, between my experience and having done shows about my experience, what's been really cool out of that is that it has sparked an opportunity for audience members to come up and speak with me after. And so by the mere nature of the shows that I run and the shows that I do and the content that they have, the conversations that they have inspired, Mm -hmm. both at 
at like the fringe tents after doing it at fringe show or um, at the uh, show, anxiety shows themselves is uh, I've learned a lot about other performers and people's experiences that watching my show has triggered in them kind of right. thing. So, um, so what I will say, you know, is that I get personal opinion, personal opinion. I think that we all have it. I think that we all do just by nature of being in this traumatized society that we are. And it, it's varying levels of how aware we're able to be of it. I think there's this big, um, interesting shift happening in the world where uh, a lot of people are becoming aware of anxiety that they've had the whole time. I know my experience, you know, my first show, Not Enough, which uh, actually it's going to be performed as part of um, Richmond Mental Health Week in May of this year. Yeah, we're going to be doing a viewing on that. I think it's like May 1st or 2nd, um, the first Thursday of May. Um, and uh, uh, it is uh, that show is about I was at a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat uh, which if you don't know Vipassana it's the one where not only can you not talk it's like you can't make eye contact or touch or Mm, do anything that distracts the mind Uh, so uh, (laughs) except for me who would uh, read contraband like tampon boxes you know in the bathroom (laughs) like just like anything anything to distract from the crazy Um, But what I discovered in that, and this show uh, chronicles the the 10 days experience that I had, um, but uh, just a spoiler alert, uh, I learned something, uh, which was, yeah, now you don't need to see it, which was that I have anxiety and I have had my whole life, but I had been distracting it through codependency and food and mood altering workaholism and um, this and this and like, you know, texting people on Facebook if, if the food <laughs> wasn't available or whatever right. um, you know my uh, my crutches so um, but the more that I open up and talk about it the more that people open up and talk to me about it and like we all have it yeah. I think it's the thing that keeps us like human yeah. I think it's our common nature you know in this society and I think everyone has it to, to varying degrees as yes. well like um, but yeah, it's it's creating that conversation and and learning that that other people have experienced this thing. You, you feel like you're in such a silo um, so much of the time until you start talking. To yeah. People. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, and what you know, what I will say that that leads me to um, you know, uh, I will say that. Uh, trauma is a big part of it like whether childhood trauma early trauma you know and I personally am in a point in my journey where I've been uncovering memories that I didn't know I had and that's been really fascinating because I have been diagnosed with PTSD which I always suspected that I had but when I got the actual diagnosis and I learned about anxiety um, actually this is a really cool thing about the science behind anxiety mm-hmm. again no expert so <laughs> I'm sure there will be somebody if you're a university student <laughs> feel, uh, feel free sure to, to go cite. on the website yeah. yeah and correct everything that I say wrong um, but this idea that with PTSD from this early childhood trauma that I had that was like big like it was big and um, 
uh, uh, what happens is we get locked in the amygdala, in the lizard brain. Mm. And then what happens is that um, this lizard brain it is not supposed to be the decision maker. Like, that's the whole point of evolution. That's the whole thing of why we developed the front of the brain was so that that would be the thing that would make the decisions. Right. But with PTSD, what happens is because the trauma is so great, the body can't handle that feeling at that age and then not having the nurturing in my family of origin that would have worked that out of me, it got locked in there. And so then what happened was I started to go about my world just governing myself but being governed by the amygdala and right. so what happens is I I'm sort of accessing this cognitive decision-making ability through school and stuff but actually not really like I'm still living at the vibration at the base of the lizard brain <laughs> and so the work that I'm doing right now it super sucks because uh, it involves like body memories and I'm just like constantly crying and like more so than usual um but the interesting thing is that the feel like the healing is happening mm -hmm. and the anxiety is lowering because what i've been realizing is that when i am confronted with a triggering situation i'm starting to learn through my support system I didn't pick this out of thin air for sure. Like I need the healers in my life. But I'm starting to learn that if my reaction is higher than what's actually happening in front of me, that that's the past. Mm. And so what that means is it's like, okay, that's what I take to my therapist and we like explore that memory and we look at the trauma that that comes from. Yeah. And that is healing my, my anxiety about the future, like yeah. the present rather. And it's teaching me um, about like I'm you know and I'm learning now as somebody who's been governed by my amygdala and living out of anxiety based decision making for most of my life like I'm learning how to uh, engage in the world like and like what's something that would be an average anxiety because I never knew right like right. it was like deciding what to eat for breakfast was the exact same amount of stress as getting hit by a car yeah. you know uh, in fact even less because getting hit by a car at least you're in shock so you don't have to like deal with that or getting hit by a car while eating breakfast uh, yeah 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 well don't even get me started Daniel <laughs> Chai don't even get me started <laughs> so it's just been really cool because it's meant that my life is like my current life is a lot simpler even though I'm feeling all of these like really intense things that no child should ever have had to feel the interesting thing is that like it my present life is like so awesome yeah well and I, I think people who have have been through shit um tend to 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 be more kind of self-aware like daniel mm. and i have talked about this on, on previous episodes where we both went through kind of similar situations in high school um, is that we were both bullied quite badly, mm. um, and and just you know the loneliness and and the isolation in high school and how that changes you and how that trauma um, ends up affecting your life. Because I remember graduating high school and and just being like, why would you why would you treat someone like shit? I didn't understand it because I had so much of that happen to me in the past that it really kind of flipped a switch in my brain. So. I always treat people the way I would want to be treated. Mm. So that's the way mm -hmm. I've always lived my life. Right. 
Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, and that leads us to uh, another question, which is, you know, I'm really glad again that we're having this conversation, and uh, and I'm glad that we've had that conversation, uh, Jeff, and look forward to more uh, mm-hmm. in the future. But you know, with with these kinds of subjects, you know, uh, uh, why is it hard to talk about anxiety? Why is it? Uh, why is it hard to talk about? And I'm wondering if mental health and anxiety, again, like I'm not sure if they're, uh, if they should or if they are the same thing or part of the same conversation. But for now, I think it's all right to uh, be kind of talking about them both in a broad sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it hard to, uh, uh, to talk about it? Only recently, uh, I've been very lucky to have a support network and, and friends that I can talk about it with. But um, yeah, why, why, uh, Maybe a question without an answer. Why yeah. is it hard to talk about this stuff? I, I think a large amount of it is the stigma attached to it. Is that that people like we come from a large amount of us um, come from kind of a British background, and it's that stiff upper lip that yeah. keep calm and carry yeah. on. Right. Um, like you know, my my heritage is Dutch, and and the Dutch do not like to talk about feelings at all. Um, They like to talk about sex, but they don't like to talk about feelings. My my background is Chinese and very similar about uh, emotions and and feelings as well, so. Yeah, and I think it's all a matter of of people just, since it's not out in the public and since people um, aren't talking about it, people feel like they shouldn't be talking about it and they take it on themselves. And they think it's more of a personal journey, which in a way it is. It is a personal journey to for your own mental health. But you have having a support system, having people to talk to. And I'm a big advocate of, of counselors. I think that counseling and therapy should be like going to the dentist. But you, yes. you really, everybody I agree. should be going to it. And that our, um, our medical system should be supporting it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And in some cases they do. Yeah, um, you know, it, it is possible. I mean, in Canada, we are so much luckier than lots of other countries. Um, shame is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Shame is a very powerful binding societal tool. And, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like, I, I work with children a lot during the day. And uh, it's it's fascinating to watch different children's reactions with with or without shame. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's something like one in three girls have been or will be sexually assaulted at some point in their life and one in seven boys. And, uh, and that's, you know, one of the, the most powerful forms of, um, PTSD causing, you know, there's other forms of trauma as well, but, um, sexual assault for sure is really big. Because of the nature of the trauma, being that the only people there is usually a small child and a large adult, usually, because that it happens in secret. And that secrecy um, creates gaslighting scenarios. It creates um, a child to challenge their reality. And uh, I mean, I only say that as uh, as an example, but it, to, to answer the question, you know, like that is one of the biggest shame perpetrators. And one of the reasons, you know, with this Me Too movement, so many of these stories have not been said, have been because uh Women, and I say women, like I, men also belong in here as well, as well as non-gender conforming. Like I, um, but I identify as woman, and so those are the stories that I, you know, relate to um, the most usually. And uh, uh, but women um, have not been like they wouldn't trust their own judgment. 
you know, or people just because because of the shame of what had happened and then the social stigma. Yeah. So plus I got both of you beat in that I grew up Catholic. So oh, with Catholic school and everything. Ah. So yeah. <laughs> So you yeah. wanna talk yeah. shame? I am yeah. rolling up my <laughs> sleeves right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I th- I think as well it's um it's it's that vulnerability. It's that, that opening up when you start talking about your own mental health and you start talking about the past with with people that even people that you might know really well, when you get that very negative reaction, if it's opening yourself up and having someone say to you, um, you know, I don't care, or saying that what you went through is not important. Yeah. It's that, it's even that slight possibility that that might happen makes you just so scared to talk to anybody. Totally. It's risky. So for for those listening, um, and you know, even for for ourselves, uh, what I would love to be able to do is, uh, you know, uh, again with our own experiences, uh, you know, not that we're experts by any means uh, in this topic, um, but we've all felt it, and and all we can do is share our experiences and hope that that maybe helps. Um, what do you two feel is uh, for someone who is maybe listening and can relate to a lot of things that we're saying? And someone who has anxiety, um, what is what are some things that maybe again in our own experiences that someone can do to face their anxiety, to alleviate it, to I don't know. Mm. That's a good question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, and one thing I will say about this this wonderful thing that's happening around uh, uh, the conversation opening up and people talking about it, is um, what I will say is, uh, and this may be an unpopular opinion, I don't know. I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Have I said that already? Um, are, you, are you an expert? Uh, yes, yeah. I am an expert. Yes, yes, I am an expert um, in uh, not being an expert. Um, but is that... Uh, not everybody is safe to talk about our deepest, darkest secrets with. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was something that I encountered early on and I am continuing to explore. And sometimes people like in some of my support groups or places where I feel I might be safe, I've often uh, encountered somebody who I didn't feel safe with and yet I shared with them anyway and it ended up being re-traumatizing for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a very real part of this. You know, it's like, yes, talking about it. And again, unpopular opinion, but um, so I watched uh, the musical Dear Evan Hansen, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with this musical. Mm-hmm. I am a musical theater good nerd. If I, if I remember correctly, last year it was the number one musical on Broadway. Yes. It made $25 million in one year or something Yeah. Yeah, you're, it's you're talking the Spider-Man music. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, they're the same. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I just want to see the musical about Spider-Man's journey with mental health and yeah. the duplicity. Oh, of absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's just him and his therapist. Actually, well. in my stand-up, I have a joke about like uh, because I have PTSD, I don't do well with loud noises or anything, and so I want to redo a lot of the Superman. <laughs> movies and uh, like one of them instead of uh, uh, Infinity War I just wanted to be the Avengers Infinity Hug and the whole the whole movie is just Bruce Banner answering the question what don't I think my friends will like me if I'm angry? <laughs> yeah. 
It's just them hugging Thanos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's like okay, a ten minute. I don't the Infinity Stones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And the end credit is just a ten minute video of a flower in bloom. Like not even time elapsed. It's just straight. Anyway, I bring up Dear Evan Hansen because, uh, yes, it was the number one musical. It won a bunch of awards and Tonys and blah, blah, blah. And I actually just saw it in Seattle. And it was fine. It was fine. And, yes, like, it, it does the job for what it is. It is a step forward. Like, yes. I need to be very, very clear about that. Um, and uh, I have a big problem with what... I like to call affectionately victim porn things. Mm, And these are things of exhibitioning uh, mental health issues for the sheer act of um, just putting them on display Mm. and getting some kind of like victim response, but with no actual uh, experience, strength or hope, like nothing to really hold on to healing wise. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that is one thing, um, an issue that I, I do have. And then the other thing is there's often a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that there's a lot of liberal snowflakes who uh, who get, start like um, uh, pu- ripping apart at each other. You know, and it's like, guys, we're all in the... We're all on the same team, yeah, you yeah. know, and yet there can be a lot of people or or a lot of like toxic men, masculinity, and like I've been experiencing this online, like on Bumble and stuff, who are, you know, say they use the secret and manifest and they like to talk about mental health and then they're just, that's just a way that they yeah. be predators behind yeah. because it's sheep's clothing. Because so. it's the number one way to get chicks. <laughs> oh God, don't even get me started. <laughs> Um, th- thank you for sharing. That's uh, that's a really good. Um, uh, the point that I really love uh, that that you made um, was uh, was the fact that you know choose choose your support yes. network um, yes. uh, safely and properly, and um, yes. and your own uh, and and your own healing journey and your own um, you know anxiety. Uh, is is uh, up to you and you don't owe your you don't owe your anxiety story to anyone exactly Um, um, yes and um and that you know uh, when when you do find those right people uh treat them with honor you know i i mean again i can only speak for myself but um i do have a, a few friends that i've been able to share my my stories with and um i i'm very lucky that uh, I've gone from feeling like I'm burdened, burdening them with my story mm. to realizing that, oh, they are here, they are able to to listen. Um, mm. And at the same time, you know, I am also uh, want to honor them by not being like, here's all my baggage, hold it for me. You know, yeah. it's... Um, uh, yeah, but I will say that it's the other person's job to be able to set boundaries oh, as well, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like, that's something I've learned as well with my support network of like, I will, like when I'm in pain, oh, I'm going to dump all shit. over you. Yeah. And I have people in my life that have been very explicitly that have told me, right. you know, if it's too much, I will tell you. Therefore, right. if they don't tell me, then I can vent as much as I want. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt Lovely. you. No, I'm no. just very, impo- yeah. I'm very into boundary setting yeah. these days. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. Um, yeah. I was also with, um, I always tell people with counselors as well, when you're looking for a counselor, um, to make sure you shop around as well. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. just, 
Yes. There are looking. so many therapists I know who it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. um, but it's it's about finding that person that you can talk to and allow yourself to be open and vulnerable with and get to those core core issues. But if you sit down with your first session with a counselor and you're not able to talk and, and you feel like whatever mm. it is, whether it be your own trauma or your own issues projected onto this other person but if you feel any level of discomfort mm-hmm. then find somebody else like it's it's all about trying to to get to those deep-seated issues. yeah excellent right. point wow i feel like we could uh this is almost like a three-parter and we're only on part one this is uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so much to talk about good thing we're all experts yes yeah, yeah, exactly. uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Oh, so one thing I want to um, to mention as well is so as all as as much as I do, I, I agree that I think everybody has um, some anxiety and everyone feels a lot of this. Um, there are actual mental disorders. Yes. Um, yes. That I just wanted to to let our listeners know um, exactly what they are, just in case you aren't fully aware. Mm. Also, I did research and uh, heck yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. one of us did. I went to Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you know, and I think. Oh, I saw you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was learning about what you were feeling. Yeah, uh, I think that's another thing too. You know, uh, I think uh, with anxiety, I think by researching and looking into these things, I think um, whatever you're anxious about, you know, I think getting yourself some more knowledge um, ah, can yeah. can help. Uh, whether you're anxious yeah. about being on stage or anxious about about uh, an upcoming date or anxious about life in general. I think knowledge is power. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you for researching. Yeah, no problem. So the research. Mm. Um, so there's kind of three major uh, mental disorders when it comes to anxiety. Um, you've got um, SAD, which is social anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. which is the fear of being watched, judged, or embarrassed, or humiliating themselves. Mm. Um, you also have panic disorder. Um, so that's a f- um, so afraid that it leads to panic attacks um, and having extreme episodes of fear. And then um, one of the most common ones is uh, generalized anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. um, which they call um, worrying about worrying. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a lot of the uh, what if. Um, I actually have a really so close true. friend of mine that has generalized anxiety disorder. And uh, she says that it's it's constantly that what if question that just circles mm-hmm. in your brain over and over again, thinking about what the next thing is going to be. You might be totally fine, but what if I did get hit by a car um, after work today? What am I going to do about that situation? And just having that run on a loop over and over and over in your head when your anxiety gets really bad. Mm. So, yeah. Research. Research. Um, I think, uh, you know, out of um, what what I'm enjoying about, and I use the word enjoy in a in a uh, heart heart open sense, mm. um, not in any glee sort mm-hmm. of way, but uh, <laughs> is that um, is that you know as well as us here on this podcast, and there's many other podcasts that talk about um, about anxiety, but also um, but also celebrities opening up, mm. um, you know, and I mean uh, we we live in a uh, we and uh, humanity, lots of humanity throughout the history. We have celebrities that we look up to and we and we uh, uh, idolize. And I'm glad that you know uh, 
uh, that celebrities have opened up about their their own mental health journeys and their you know their own thoughts and feelings about anxieties and um, I think it it helps destigmatize it as we were talking about earlier. So yeah, yeah. Mm. I also think that the next generation. Um, of people are starting to become so much more self-aware mm-hmm. of things like mental health. And I hope so. I really I hope do. So. I really do uh, because our generation sucks at it. Right. Um, but uh, they, they're also starting to teach um, a bit more about mental health in school. Yeah, I actually just finished a really cool contract where um, I had worked as a grant. Uh, it was this very cool opportunity that I had where I got a grant to work with uh, University Hill Secondary School uh, with this brain study program, this group of grade 12, grade 10 to 12s who uh, they were getting um, brain scans done at the Children's Hospital. Uh, and it was this pilot project with U Hill, UBC uh, Department of Positive Psychology, uh, Children's Hospital, and the Dalai Lama Center for Peace and Education. And they were looking at using this pilot project and using this information of all of these self-starting teens who had an interest in mental health um, in uh, looking at potentially shifting not just BC's curriculum, but the curriculum down the way in terms of mindfulness and self-regulation and incorporating them into the actual curriculum, um, which they've already started doing. Like the Dalai Lama Center for Peace and Education has been integral across the world. In fact, I believe, is it the Netherlands? There is a country uh, in in a Europe type area place. <laughs> there is another country that has been implementing mindfulness into their curriculum, working with um, like elementary school. Or Sweden, I yeah, it might have been Sweden actually. Yeah, I, I I watched as part of my research. I watched um, uh, this live stream of this conference of they were uh, just by speaking of their findings of what they had been doing. Quebec actually has started doing a pilot project of working yeah. with elementary school students. Um, I was working with these kids who were learning all of the academics behind positive psychology and mindfulness. Um, and then I was working at incorporating that to use the power of play and improv mm-hmm. games and stuff like that to uh, disarm the defenses and um, mm-hmm. look at starting to add a play mentality into all of their learning. So to integrate what they were doing, but taking away that hard edge and see how that was affecting their anxiety levels. Um, so that's what I specifically had been doing with them. But that was a fascinating project because I got to learn a lot about the science um, the hard science of positive psychology, which is the next step in in this psychology in general. It's mm. like this exciting, it's literally the science of happiness. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. uh, where was that when we were growing up? Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah barely. It started, actually, uh, that was a joke question, but uh, it did start in the, f- after World War One. Um, Wow. It, it's uh, the newest ep- uh, the newest department of psychology because cool. of uh, shell shock. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, and so uh, which they have since learned is PTSD, but it's actually because of the research that they've done from positive psychology that has given um, PTSD an actual name. Science. Yeah. yeah. Science. Yeah. One thing that's always bugged me about science in general is that we've always treated um, psychology and sociology as those soft sciences, yeah, um, and uh, and it just doesn't get the same kind of raised pedestal 
That's the hard science. Chemistry and, and uh, physics and, and all that stuff. Do you think that that's maybe changing? Uh, with podcasts like this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's changing. I mean, around. from what I've learned on Reddit, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I've learned nothing on Reddit. I just watch cat <laughs> videos the whole time. <laughs> I, th- I think things are changing um, a bit. Um, I think that mental health and mindfulness does need to be taught um, from a young age as well, um, because it's something that's so difficult to learn to become self-aware when you're an adult. If that's something that you've you've learned growing up, it kind of becomes part of your routine and becomes part of who you are. Um, whereas you get to an adult and it's such a struggle to, to realize like, oh shit, maybe I should think about my emotions and mm-hmm. um, you know, who I am. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if we started that earlier on, then it, it would be a much easier process, in my opinion. I don't know for sure either, yeah. because I was never taught when I was a kid. Yeah. So. Well, and you know, this is this is where I start to get a little bit out of my pay grade in terms of like what I know and uh, what I know about other people, you know. But I, I just know for me that um, in my own journey and experience, so much of it has been yes, the access to the therapist and the yes, this and the other. But honestly, has been people capable of unconditional love mm-hmm. and the idea of love and spirituality. And like spirituality is a huge element of my um, growth and my healing. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's it's it, you know. And uh, um, spirituality gets a bad rep, and some in some places it should. I.e., when guys on Bumble use it as a way to pick up chicks. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but I just know for me, um, you know, studying certain spiritual traditions, adding a meditation into my life, but also honestly, just being around people capable of unconditional love has taught me how to implement that into my day-to-day life and how to start, because people have given it to me, I've started to learn very tentatively how to give that to other people and I think honestly out of all of the tools and whatever that we have like that's kind of it because it's like sometimes all I need to do is just talk about where I'm at and just have someone go hmm you know with like this loving presence and like give me a hug yeah and that's enough yeah and I I think that 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 friend circle and that that just support structure that you have because I know for me yeah when I graduated high school, um, I didn't have any friends. Like, I moved from Manitoba. Yeah, me neither. Me yeah. neither. And so I moved from Manitoba to Kamloops. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, now it's time for me to change. Now it's time for me to become mm-hmm. someone else that people will like more because apparently people did not like me in Manitoba. <laughs> um, so when people would come up to me and I would, in a way, kind of trick them to be my friend because I would pretend to be whoever they wanted me Mm -hmm. to be Um, because I thought that's the way you were supposed to be Mm -hmm. because I'm like they obviously didn't like me before Um, and you didn't pick that up out of thin air also like that's a myth perpetrated both from the media and then from you know social stuff yeah it's watching commercials and being like this is what a man is this Mm -hmm. is how you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be and I was like I don't like sports but maybe I'm supposed to because that's what I'm told Mm -hmm. so I changed myself and, um, and it took me a long time to realize that all those people around me were seeing someone different who wasn't myself, uh, including my ex-wife. So, like, really 
unpacking all of that and and I started going to counseling and it really helped me mm. um, unpack all this stuff and I call it removing my masks I took mm. I took all of my masks off and uh, every time I'd meet somebody else and be, they'd be like oh are you a big Canucks fan and I'd be like pick up a mask put it on yes I am yeah um, so once I started peeling that off and realizing who I was underneath I realized that uh, a lot of the people in my life didn't really like the person I actually was so I think it's it's getting to that point and yeah. getting to that self-awareness to really figure out who you are on the inside, yeah. which is difficult, very yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, to, to end it up, because we're, we're starting to run low on time here. Um, so every episode, we uh, I go to Twitter and I type in whatever the subject is, and this time was hashtag anxiety, and it came up as a really interesting article. So the Pew's Research Center recently released something. Is this on Reddit? You got this on Reddit? This is, yeah, yeah 100% on okay. Reddit. Yeah, okay. that's what I mean when I say Okay, otherwise it's not a notable yeah. news source, uh, so I yeah. just needed to get clear. <laughs> um, uh, apparently the Pew's Research Center uh, recently released a study um, where they talked to um, teenagers across North America and um, 70% of teenagers think that anxiety and depression is one of the most major problems among their peers right now. Mm. Um, and this is, um, to kind of put it into context, these are the rest of the things that came up on their radar. 55% of, of kids said it was bullying, 51% said drug addiction, 45% said drinking, 40% said poverty, 34% said teen pregnancy, and 33% said gangs. Wow. So above all of those very, very serious things, anxiety and depression is what's on the minds of most teenagers nowadays. Wow. So interesting information. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I want to give all of our readers a hug. Yeah. Yeah. And listeners. And yeah. you know, okay, if if I may just say like one thing to, to that of like in my own experience of my healing journey has, yes, unconditional love, spirituality, but I would say maybe the trifecta of that has been finding a sense of purpose and not just like in my career and getting to be known and getting to be famous and all of those things. Um, but uh, but when, when I started to, and I, I learned this with the kids too, like this is stuff that they've been learning, the kids that I worked with. Um, in this brain study group is this idea of value of of giving service where you are and that doesn't necessarily mean going to volunteer at a, at a homeless shelter or anything mm -hmm. like that but I know in my own past um, of self-harm and, and suicidal stuff and whatever I look back and I think okay if I had had somebody who gave me some unconditional love and spirituality yes maybe that could have mitigated that but so much of it was this idea of like I don't have worth here I don't have value here you know yeah. and I would say a big part of my life right now is not just having people in my life that love me and hold space for me but doing that to others in the same way that they say that lots of like elderly for instance one of the ways that they stay alive is by having a pet like something that needs them yeah, yeah. you know and this idea of giving service and being present um and giving to something else like this idea of giving yeah. You know, I think that right. that isn't from where you are. Don't give more than what you have because yeah, yeah. that doesn't help either energetically, emotionally or whatever. But even just the littlest bit of giving and presence, I find, can keep you alive another day, to yeah. be honest, that Thank will you. get it going. Yeah. 
And the BC Crisis Trip. Line. I got to say, the Anxiety Show, we always donate to the BC Crisis Line. Oh, absolutely. And awesome. um, I just want to say that they are a beautiful resource in the city. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to end the show. Yeah. Mm. That's a great message. Thank um, you so much, Megan, for joining us uh, to talk about oh today's God, subject. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. yeah, that was a great discussion. I want this to be like a three-hour-long show and just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. not stop. Part <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. two. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, uh, another thing, as you mentioned, definitely um, for, for those listening who maybe are feeling these things, know that there are resources yes. out there. Um, you are yes. not alone. The tools exist. They are there, and they are there for you. Yeah, and you are absolutely. stronger than you think you are. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for listening, everybody. See you again soon. Thank you.